athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Welcome to another edition of the program. I am your host, Donald Ware. Got a lot to get to on today's program. They are, we are, Still going to be talking about that Alabama and Tennessee football game. It was one of the games that I don't get an opportunity on a Saturday to watch a lot of college football, especially in the daytime. Now, maybe some of the late games, maybe a West Coast game, a Pac-10 game, something like that. But I don't get a lot of opportunities to watch games on Saturday. So had an opportunity to to get uh, back to my house called the uh, you know, at the A&T Edward Waters game. And then I had a chance to get back home. So it was probably about, I don't know, six o'clock. So I saw maybe the, I don't know, middle part of the third, all the way through the end of that football game. That was a phenomenal football game. I know Tennessee had the, you know, so had the, the lead early in that football game. And I'm, I'm telling you, that was a drag them out Battle of a football game where Alabama had an opportunity to, uh, to in fact, maybe even win the football game. Ultimately could not. Um, Hendon Hooker, a couple of uh, plays, drove Tennessee down into field goal range, a chip shot, and they were celebrating in Knoxville. One of the great, probably one of the great celebrations. I mean, taking the goalposts and throwing them in the Tennessee River. That is, that's crazy. And that's, I mean, that's college football. I'm more of a pro guy, more of an NFL guy, uh, no doubt. But that's what makes college football special. It had been so many years since Tennessee was able to defeat Alabama. And so to be able to do that was special to Tennessee and uh, to Knoxville, to the, to, to the University of Tennessee, to Tennessee as a whole in terms of the state and uh, man it, it was a big time football game and a big time win let's talk about Mr. Hooker right 21 of 30 385 yards five touchdowns he had one interception in the game and let's not forget he also rushed for another 56 yards so he's gotten it done but listen I mean, this is not the first time seeing Hendon Hooker, right? Like, he's been doing this for a little while, okay? And, I mean, you can go back to, you know, his, his I mean, his, his you know, he, he's, he's been with, you know, it's not like Tennessee is his first rodeo, right? Like, he's been, you know, he's played, you know, for Virginia Tech, right? So, I mean, and even watching him, Right. 
with Virginia Tech, I mean, this is a kid that has just been able to get it done. Even last year at Tennessee, I watched him play a little bit, watched some of the – I was able to catch a couple of the games, and, you know, he looked really, really good. So uh, you, you look at his numbers, and this is the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, and, of course, you know how we do here on Box Row. We're going to give you some tidbits that you probably didn't know. So, first of all, okay, the hooker name, particularly in HBCU circles, is royalty. Allen Hooker is arguably the best quarterback to ever play at ANT. Con- between Connell Maynard and Allen Hooker, in terms of the best quarterback to ever play at ANT, you know, certainly one of the best quarterbacks to ever play in the MEAC. So Allen Hooker is the father of Hendon Hooker, right? So you hear that last name Hooker, you think about one of the great, you know, HBCU quarterbacks, great MEAC quarterbacks, great A&T quarterbacks. When you go throughout life, right, there's going to be, and this is for those that may not be as familiar with HBCUs because obviously we're in an HBCU movement. It goes back to George Floyd, right, more so in terms of the movement we're in now. And a lot of times, particularly amongst black folks, you're going to be able to trace something that has happened with someone back to someone that attended an HBCU. I mean, I'll give you an example. Mike Tomlin, head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, parents went to Hampton, right? So, like, you're going to always, a lot of times and more times than not, I don't want to say always, but I would say 75 to 80% of the time, you're going to be able to trace something back to it's going to have an HBCU trace. And right here is, I mean, you don't get any better than that. Hendon Hooker, like, is the man right now, okay? Played, I thought, well at Virginia Tech. Probably didn't get a lot of kudos. Transferred to to Tennessee. I thought did pretty well last year and then just blown it out of the water um, this year. Let me, before I even go back into that, let's just look at the numbers. Okay, let's look at his numbers. Right? He's completed 119 of 170 passes on the season. That's for one thousand that is 70%. He's completed 70% of his passes for 1,817 yards, 15 touchdowns to one interception. And oh, by the way, he's Tennessee's third leading rusher, 287 yards on the ground, 4.9 yards per carry. He's got three rushing touchdowns. As well, so he's got in excess. He averages in excess of 350 yards of total offense per game. I I get it with Bryce Young, and Bryce Young had a good game himself. Two touchdowns, threw for 515 yards for Alabama. But I think in the equation where you're talking about Heisman, you gotta factor wins and losses. And in this scenario, you gotta factor the head-to-head matchup. And while Young's numbers may have been better from a passing yardage perspective and also not throwing an interception. He had three less touchdowns. More importantly, Hendon Hooker's team won the game. Further, that pass that he had, which was the last play of the game before the field goal, when he had to stand in the pocket, take the hit, make the pass completion, 
okay, was absolutely phenomenal, led to the field goal. So right now, my if I had a vote, I think your Heisman Trophy leader right now has got to be Hendon Hooker. And, by the way, so I was at the A&T game. At A&T played Edward Waters. Hendon Hooker's brother is Austin Hooker, who is a backup quarterback for A&T. Well, guess what? Because A&T was beating, you know, beating Edward Waters pretty good, Austin Hooker, and because A&T has some quarterbacks that are down, Austin Hooker had an opportunity to play. So, and somebody said this to me after the game. They were like, okay, Hendon Hooker came in and played at like 342 or something like that, p.m. Eastern. And, I mean, um, excuse me, Alston Hooker at 3.42 p.m. Eastern, and then Hendon Hooker at like 3.45 p.m., and they were playing at the same time. So you got to wonder what that family was going through, uh, right? What what was that like? Uh, And it's just absolutely a great thing. So we're talking a lot about Hendon Hooker. Everybody, if you're talking college football, you're talking Tennessee, and you're talking Hendon Hooker, and that trace and there are some HBCU roots there because Hendon Hooker's father is the great Allen Hooker. So real quick before we go to break, we want to acknowledge the HBCU National Players of the Week, Jadakiss Bonds, the wide receiver for Hampton. Also, Tareen Taylor, the running back for Tuskegee. You can read more about their accomplishments on our website at BoxToRow.com. Still to come here on Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. I'm going to break down the HBCU National Game of the Week plus Delaware State head football coach Rod Milstead going to join us. But up next, we're going to be joined by Benedict head football coach Chenis Berry as the Tigers are undefeated on the season. On the way, it's more of From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Right, 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 right here. Right here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. Has someone in your family lost a job recently? and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? We can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately. Yes, sell your home and get cash all over the phone without dealing with real estate agents or having to waste time showing your home to lukewarm buyers. You don't need to lose your house to foreclosure. If you have equity in your home, we'll buy your home and give you cash within days, all in a simple over the phone and virtual process. Call now before your situation gets worse. Sell a home you can't afford or just need anymore and get the cash you need today. Call this number now. Call 800-507-3116. 800-507-3116. 
800-507-3116. That's 800-507-3116. Now, back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Donald Ware. Donald Ware. Donald Ware. Let's continue here on Box to Row. We're joined by a gentleman in his third season overall as the head football coach at Benedict. Boy, the Tigers are getting it done, ranked in the HBCU football poll and ranked number two in the Division II coaches poll. Defeated Albany State last week on the road this week at Morehouse. Chenis Berry, again, the head football coach at Benedict, joins us here on Box to Row. Coach Barry, what's going on? You guys are playing well. Welcome to the program. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate you, man. And, uh, yeah, we're just taking it one day at a time, trying to get 1% better every day. Yeah, your thoughts. I mean, that's a huge win. I mean, it was one thing to beat, you know, Fort Valley State, who who was playing well. They were undefeated at the time when you guys met uh, two weeks ago. Uh, now, three weeks ago, actually, now. Uh, but the win over Albany State, 24-20, to 20, your thoughts on the victory? Tell you what, to God be the glory, man. That was that was big, man. I, I tell you, just to be able to go down to hostile territories for their homecoming and, uh, you know, go down and win that football game, that, that was huge for our program. That was, that was kind of a program changer right there, man. And uh, the guys were believing, man. We, we took our 58 individuals there. And they were believing, man. They believed all week. You know, we had a great week of practice. Guys were locked in. You know, we consider those trips as business trips, man. And, you know, I can tell when we had Bible study that on that Friday night that those guys were focused and locked in to the goal and the task and the mission at hand. So, you know, that morning, man, we had a nice meeting, nice walkthrough. Guys were locked and loaded, and we found a way to go out and, and play 60 minutes and win a football game. So very, very, very grateful, very happy for our coaches, our players, man. That was a – a monumental win for our program, and uh, hopefully it continues to spearhead us going forward. And getting it done on both sides of the football, because, I mean, you look at an, this Albany State team, I mean, yeah, it may not have, you know, the six or seven shutouts like it had last year, but it's known for its defense, defense, and it's still good. And you were able to run the football for 153 yards, pass it for 253. I mean, that's in excess of 400 yards of total offense against a top defense. Oh, yeah, their, their defense is definitely everything that is advertised, man. You know, we, we just spent a lot of time really preparing for that defense, man. Uh, you know, they had, you know, been doing some really good things still this year defensively. They didn't have, like you say, the, the big shutouts like they had in the past, but they were playing really good ball and really stopping the run. But we came up with a good plan. We, we felt like, uh, you know, when we put a plan together, we thought it would fit, fit us well. And things that our guys can do well. You know, right now at this point in the season, when you get the game seven and eight, man, it's not trying to get super creative and, and a lot of different things. You got to get good at what you do and, and your identity. And I think that our guys really executed on the offensive side of the ball. And then holding the Golden Rams to just 90 yards rushing, I mean, that is outstanding. Kudos to my defensive staff, man. I'll tell you what, those guys really, really prepared for that moment. And it all starts up front, those, those guys you know, really did a good job of winning the battle of the trenches, man. You know, our guys, D-line, really, really played well and, and kind of lived in that opponent's backfield, man. So, you know, when you ever can get penetration, I always tell our defense it's about the P, three Ps, man. Penetration promotes problems, and I want them to get in that backfield and cause havoc 
on opponents' offenses. So they did a great job in stopping the run and the whole Albany State offense to under 100 yards rushing. Man, I'll tell you what, that's, that's big time for our defense. Chenis Berry in his third season overall, second on the field as the head football coach of Benedict joins us here on Box to Row. Boy, I look at, I mean, I'm looking at this this kid, Lubert Danellis, right? Like mm-hmm. his numbers are unbelievable. Def- he's a defensive end uh, for you. You look at his total numbers. He's got nine sacks on the season, 13 and a half tackles for loss. He wreaked havoc on Albany State, three tackles for loss in the game and a sack. Speak to his play uh, so far this season. Luber Denalis, man, I'll tell you what, he's, he's God sent, man. I'll tell you what, he's an amazing person, first and foremost, man. He's, he's on our leadership council. He's a great worker in that weight room. He has a 4.0 GPA. And Luber doesn't say two words, man, but Luber is a football player, and he has made plays from the onset all season. And he really had two sacks for his Albany. They, they got to get that fixed, but uh, he actually had 10 tackles three tackles for loss and two sacks. So that's a monumental game, which led him to the SIC defensive player of the week this past week. So, you know, we're, we're really excited about Luber, man. He's an amazing person, man. And he's really made a lot of plays for us this 2022 season. Yeah, I mean, this when you talk about this young man from last year to this year, I mean, he had two and a half sacks all of last season in 10 games, nine tackles for loss. He's well outdistanced that. What, I mean, speak to the the fact that he's obviously put in the work uh, because he's having – he had a solid season last year. He's having a much better season so far this year. Absolutely. The young man work. Man. He put in that work this summer. You know, he's dedicated. I mean, like I say, he's an unbelievable worker in that weight room, man. He, you can't outwork Luber. Luber has a, a, a work ethic this second to none, and I'm just grateful, man. He's reaching, reaping all the – fruits of his labor, man. This kid is – he played solid last year, but he was banged up a lot last year because he played almost every snap. But I think we're doing a good job of rotating him this year, you know, keeping him fresh. And uh, he's playing as, uh, definitely a, a large amount of snaps, but not as many as he played last year. But he's just making plays, man. And that, get, that kid, man, he really understands the, the defense and what we're asking him to do. And, you know, he can play inside, he can play outside. He plays with a relentless motor. So whenever you play with amazing effort and you can win the effort battle, you give yourself a chance to win one-on-one battles all day. Chenis Berry, the head football coach at Benedict, joins us here on the program. Speak to your quarterback play. You've used a couple of quarterbacks, Eric Phoenix, John Lampley. Uh, Eric Phoenix played the entire game against Albany State last week. Uh, Speak to the quarterback play, but specifically to Eric Phoenix and what he's bringing to the table. Well, our quarterbacks have been pretty solid all year. Um, they, they've been doing a good job of managing the offense, first and foremost. You know, we're not asking them to do anything out of the ordinary. Just take care of the football, give it to your playmakers, and and move the offense. You know, they're basically the coach out there in the field. Get us in the right check, in the right play. And, uh, you know, just make sure you take care of the football. The ball is the baby. And, and speaking of Eric Phoenix, Eric Phoenix has been doing a really good job. He's a true dual-threat quarterback, man. He's a – He's a young man that's smart, first of all, very cerebral. Uh, guy knows the offense, and he can make plays with his legs and, and, and with his arm, man. And, you know, he's been doing a really good job of taking care of the football. He had his first interception uh, of the season this past weekend versus Albany. It was, a, it was a tip ball. You know, unfortunately, he had his first one. But he's been doing an awesome job of taking care of the football. And in terms of John Lampley, you know, he's been doing his job of managing when, his, when he gets his opportunity. So we're just blessed to have two, you know, 
very, very capable quarterbacks that probably can start anywhere else in our league, on, on, on any team in our league. And everybody in our league would love to have either one of those young men. We're just grateful to have both of them. This was a program, you weren't the head coach then, but this was a program that in uh, 2019 was 1-9. You come in in 20, had the COVID season. You're able to kind of establish a, a program, if you will. 21, you go, or last year, you go 5-5. Five and five. You're 7-0 and oh right now. So speak to how you've been able to build this program. Well, it starts with discipline, instruction, organization, and belief. And you got to get the guys belief. And you got to get the right fit in your program. You know, that's the right fit as coaches. You got to get the right fit as your players and, and see what fits your program. And, then, and in our program, it's about discipline. You have to have discipline and integrity. We put God first in all we do. You got to be dedicated to the cause. You got to give amazing effort. And you got to execute at the end of the day. And you got to have Tiger pride. So when we talk about building our program, we want those type of individuals. So when we recruited, that's what we're recruiting to get. And I, and I definitely don't want to get kudos to my coaching staff because we went out and got the right fit of young men to, to, to really believe in our program. And that's where it starts, man, getting guys to believe and wants to be Tigers. You know, we got a little sprinkle. I mean, you know, most of our recruiting came from high school uh, individuals. But obviously we went out and got some need-based individuals that been, was able to plug in some needs at, at different positions that we felt like after the 2021 season that we really needed to get better at those positions. So we got in a, a transfer portal and signed a couple key guys that really have come in and make a, made a huge impact in our program. But, you know, like I said, more than anything, man, I, I think more we got guys that want to be Benedict College Tigers. You know, it's it's not just a place to be now. It's, it's actually a destination now where people really want to be there. So, you know, we've established – you know, discipline and, 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 and accountability through the team. But we also uh, have established a lot of culture shift in the whole entire campus community. I mean, you're on campus. I mean, everybody's is how we say hi and bye is go Tigers, you know, from the people in the physical plan all the way to the president's office. I mean, the student body, when we see each other on campus, our, our, our players are go Tigers. The students are go Tigers. The cheerleaders are go Tigers. The regular, the, the professors, the faculty staff are go Tigers. So you have to change the culture. And I think we've done a good job of that. And really, these guys are having a great time and enjoying themselves at Benedict College Tigers. And then your thoughts on Morehouse and how you keep your guys focused because Morehouse has struggled this year. Well, we, we got to stay humble and hungry. You know, we don't we don't look at records, man. Uh, I tell our young men, they 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 know. We know what we what, what's at stake, and we know that you know what our mission is. And our mission every week is to be one and zero. We don't look at records. We play the individuals that are in front of us, and you know we're we're gonna face a team that's hungry for a win. And like I told our young men, man, everybody's gonna give us their best. You know, and Coach Freeman, I I really love Coach Freeman. That's my guy, man. He he's done a good job. He's been in that program for at least 15 years, man. So, you know, he'll have his team ready to play. It'll be their homecoming. They'll be excited. But I'm going to bring a football team to Atlanta, Georgia, that's, that's ready to compete and ready to go. go try to accomplish the same mission that we have every week, and that's just to be 1-0. Benedict on the season, ranked number five in the HBCU media poll, number two in the HBCU D2 coaches poll. Got a big game on Saturday at Morehouse. Chenis Berry in his third season as the head football coach of Benedict joins us here on Box to Row. Coach Berry, appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Tigers. Man, I really, really appreciate you having me tonight. And uh, thank you. Thank you for all the things you do for HBC football. God bless you, man. Go Tigers. Benedict, head football coach Chenis Berry has the Tigers undefeated 
on the season going to take on be at a winless Morehouse. That game, of course, in Atlanta. Still to come here on Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM, Delaware State head football coach Rod Milstead. But up next, I preview the HBCU National Game of the Week. Delaware on ESPNU Radio, right here on Sirius XM. What up, what up? Yo, 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 yo. Okay, KK. Week eight of the HBCU football season, and things are getting hot and heavy. And, of course, we're going to take a look at the HBCU National Game of the Week. Now, there's a couple of games we could have looked at. We could have looked at Langston versus Ottawa. Langston's at home. That's a, a, a really big Sooner Athletic Conference matchup, especially with Langston coming off of a loss. I mean, you could have looked at even Jackson State and Campbell. It's going to be homecoming there in Jackson State. And I think that's going to be a big-time football game with a big-time atmosphere. You're looking at a good Campbell team and an excellent Jackson State team. But clearly what jumped out on my list as the HBCU National Game of the Week, and I think few would argue this, South Carolina State is hosting North Carolina Central in a MEAC matchup. So you look at both teams. Both teams are coming off wins after the previous week coming off losses. I think the difference is you look at North Carolina Central. North Carolina Central would have had a couple of extra days of rest because remember, North Carolina Central played against Morgan State on ESPN2 last Thursday. Meanwhile, you look at South Carolina State, it's coming off a victory over Virginia University of Lynchburg. So the competition level for South Carolina State, not where, not, I mean, it wasn't on par with obviously North Carolina Central beating Morgan State. And I think North Carolina Central did a really good job um, against Morgan State, able to bottle up, really bottle up the run. And let's start there with the North Carolina Central defense. I think this is a really solid and sound defense. Yes, it gave up 48 uh, points, no question. It gave up 48 points uh, to uh, Campbell. Campbell's got a good team, I'm telling you. Campbell is a good football team. has got uh, good in the trenches on both sides uh, of the ball. But this is a North Carolina Central team I've had a chance to watch defensively plays well, puts some pressure on the quarterback, but can stop the run. Alfonso Graham, who leads the MEAC in rushing for Morgan State, had 41 yards on 14 carries after the previous week, rushing for 203 yards against Norfolk State. So you know that North Carolina Central can stop the run. Trey Oliver, the head coach, is a defensive-minded guy. And, I mean, you're not, you, you know, it's just a solid North Carolina Central defense. When I look at South Carolina State's offense, I mean, South Carolina State's offense this year um, has just not gotten it going. Uh, You know, Corey Fields, the quarterback's completing 44% of his passes, um, but he really hasn't gotten it going so far this year. And even as surprising is that South Carolina State hasn't been able to run the football. I had a chance to see uh, the Bulldogs play against uh, North Carolina A&T couldn't really get the run game going, the pass game going. Now, the one guy that's really, really good is Shaq Davis, the wide receiver. He's 6'5", 
I mean, he, you know, the 50-50 balls he can go get, he's a deep threat. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, when he touches the football, has the ability to take it to the house, has the ability to score touchdowns. So I think that's one of the positives when you look at the South Carolina State uh, wide receivers. The, the, even the offensive line isn't as good as Buddy Pugh has really had in years past. So, I mean, if I had to give uh, who I think would win, and again, it, it, you know, again, a couple of extra days for North Carolina Central to prepare. Um, South Carolina State, uh, two less days than, than uh, North Carolina Central to prepare, coming off playing a, uh, a, a not even a Division II opponent, but, a, but, but Virginia University uh, of Lynchburg who plays these type of games. There's nothing wrong with that because they've got some guys that can play. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but again, I mean, South Carolina State put it on Virginia University of Lynchburg. Now, let me go to the South Carolina State defense, which I think isn't playing up to par either. Again, gave up 41 points to North Carolina a and at the time, was 0-3 on the season and was really looking to, for an offensive identity, particularly in the passing game, right? So you give up 41 points there. Did a better job against Florida A&M, who's, who's got a solid offense. I'll give them that. But I thought it would be more of a dominating South Carolina State defense at this point, and it just hasn't been. But you still got guys that can play. Jablonski Green, Patrick Godbolt, your two defensive ends are, are really, really good and can turn it on at any time. Then you've got B.J. Davis at the linebacker position. And as I've said so many times, I mean, he's one of, and he was one of my top five players at the midway point. This kid is absolutely dynamite. He's going to be that next guy. When you're talking about defensive players, Javon Hargrave, you know, Shaq Leonard that are playing, uh, Antonio Hamilton that are playing in the National Football League. This guy can play. He's a sideline to sideline guy. He's not a, he, you know, for a linebacker, he's not a big kid, uh, but he can, he, you know, he can play, he can check tight ends. You know, maybe sort of in a way, maybe like a Joe Thomas you know, type of guy just makes plays all over the field. So that's going to be one of the really good things uh, you're going to look at from the South Carolina State defense. Uh, those two tight end, those two ends, uh, defensive ends, that is, and then of course B.J. Davis. When I look at North Carolina Central's uh, offense, running the football well, uh, Latrell Collier is getting it done. You know, certainly in the running game, but I mean, he's not the only one. I mean, if I look at a guy. Um, like the quarterback in Davius Richard. I mean, Davius Richard has been really, 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 really good this year, uh, right? He's been named to the watch list for the Walter Payton watch list for the best uh, quarterback or the best offensive player that is in FCS football. And look at the numbers against Morgan. And I don't think Morgan State has a slouch defense, right? 17 to 24, 217 yards. He had four touchdowns in the ball game, and I want to make sure I have his rushing stats uh, correctly as well. Rushed for 66 yards and two touchdowns. So he was responsible for six touchdowns. This kid, meaning Davius Richard, is one of the best players in HBCU football 
one of the best quarterbacks that we're not talking about. When I look at the, re- the, the level of responsibility in terms of touchdowns on the season, go back to the North Carolina A&T game. Two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. I'm trying to think. Uh, go back to the game against New Hampshire. He was responsible. He had rushing touchdowns um, as well as passing touchdowns. So he has really gotten it done. As a matter of fact, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to pull up his stats um, so I can give you a better idea in terms of what he's been able to do uh, rushing the football and passing. So, so far this year, 13 touchdowns passing, five interceptions on the season. I mean, that's pretty good, averaging 211 yards per game. And then rushing touchdowns, he's got eight rushing touchdowns on the season. So you're talking about um, a young man on the season that's, re- that's responsible for 21 touchdowns on the season in six football games. He's dynamic. He's made, a, I think, a really big jump from last year to this year. He was solid last year, but he's made a significant jump from last year to this year. So all of that said, I've laid out the offense and the defense. And by the way, uh, North Carolina Central's got a good field goal kicker in Adrian Olivo. Uh, as well so he can get it done uh, as well laid it all out my prediction for this football game this is a game that's in Orangeburg Um, I mean gotta go I mean definitely gotta go with North Carolina Central in this football game I think Davis Richard is in a zone I think that running game is good I think that the defense for South Carolina State just isn't living up to standards now any now you know, again, we saw South Carolina State really make its run in the MEAC. Once MEAC play came around, this is a very similar season to what happened last year. And ultimately, uh, South Carolina State was able to find its identity and make the run to the national championship. But it's not going to start on Saturday in Orangeburg with North Carolina Central. I think, uh, I think the Eagles are destined um, to be in that conversation. Because when you're talking about the Eagles now, you're talking about a team that not only has a chance to win the MEAC, but let's say they slip up because, I again, a dark horse for me is Delaware State. But it's also a team that has an opportunity to get an at-large berth to the playoffs as well. So my prediction, I think it's going to be a relatively close game. Um, I like the Eagles in this game. I think it's going to be somewhere around 24-17 to 17 with North Carolina Central winning this football game what say you your thoughts hit me up via twitter at box to row b-o-x-t-o-r-o-w as i mentioned i mean there that is the obvious game of the week but there's still some conference races uh, that are coming down to the wire and benedict has to win i i you know i don't have it in front of me but i think if they win two more games uh, then, then they're definitely going to win the SIAC's Eastern Division. There's still Savannah State on the schedule, but Morehouse doesn't have any wins. Doesn't mean anything, uh, but that's just where we are right now. Fayetteville State can close out by winning two of its last three games, can close out that CIAA Northern Division. But when you talk about South Carolina State, you talk about North Carolina Central getting together the, the defending champs against a team that really could could win the MEAC. Expect a big-time game there in Orangeburg. Up next, Delaware State 
head football coach, Rod Milstead. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. Those who can, do. Those who can't, talk. Join Donald Ware in the conversation. From the press box to press row. Let's continue here on the program. We're joined by a gentleman in his fifth season as the head football coach of his alma mater, Delaware State. The Hornets, 4-2 on the season, ranked number nine in the HBCU coaches poll as Rod Milstead, no stranger to the program, joins us here. Coach Milstead, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Your thoughts, 4-2 on the season, guys, in in solid uh, position to make a run for the MEAC title? Well, you know, every year, you know, we start off, and, and that's the thing. You want to, you definitely want to, uh, to, to win your conference, but uh, in order to get to conference play, you got to, you got to play other teams. So we, we really wanted to win them all. Uh, we dropped two. We learned from those. And, uh, you know, right now we're sitting at, at four and two with one MEAC win and uh, looking for another one this weekend when we travel down to the nation's capital of the space, Howard University. No doubt it's going to be homecoming uh, there in the nation's capital. And for you, I, I mean, that, and that's good because you're in a position uh, maybe that you hadn't been in before. So talk about sort of that last outing um, that you were able to get that victory. You're now 1-0, and uh, as you mentioned, in MEAC play. Well, you know, it was uh, 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 something that, uh, we had worked really, really hard for, you know, to be in that position, uh, uh, to go down and play Norfolk uh, for their homecoming. Um, you know, last year, uh, Norfolk jumped on us pretty good with a 26 to nothing at halftime uh, score, and we were able to overcome that deficit and, and score 28 unanswered points to win the game 28 to 26. So we wanted to, to really pick up where we left off uh, a year ago when playing Norfolk, and uh, I thought we did so. I thought it was the first game that, and, and, you know, probably this year that we've played a complete football game, offense, defense, and special teams. When you have, you know, close to 200 yards, I think, passing and 200 yards rushing, we were 398 yards of offense. Uh, uh, offense finally, you know, it's starting to click more, starting to, to spread the ball around to a lot of different receivers. A lot of people are touching the football and, and making plays for us. And defensively, it speaks for itself. You know, those guys have picked up where they left off last season, being the number one defense in the MEAC and, and now they're trying to follow that up right now uh, in stats being the number one defense in the MEAC. And, and really, the defense has really been holding us together all year long. They have played well. And, uh, you know, even when offense was struggling, defense has found a way uh, to make plays, get the ball back to the offense, and, and also score some points as well. And then our special team stepped up uh, this year. Those guys are, are just there. They're starters waiting to play. And every opportunity they get to make a play, a big hit, on special teams, you know, they, they did it last week. So we're very fortunate to be here, but we have a long ways to go. Uh, the next 30 days will tell, you know, will tell who's the MEAC champion. 
and uh, you know you can't you can't drop one. You got to be be uh, uh, steady and, and you got to be consistent. And if you're steady and consistent, and you win uh, the next four games. Then then you know we'll have the say in, in who's the MEAC champ. If you don't, then uh, we got to wait for someone else to have to tell us if we'll have that opportunity. So our guys knows what's at stake, but we're excited to to get a chance to go back and and, and play Howard for their homecoming. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, I, when I, you know coming into this season. I mean, I knew every team was going to be improved. You certainly are, and it's quite possible that no lo- the MEAC champion may na- have no losses in the conference. You've won two straight games, and on the conference call earlier this week, you played the homecoming game against Norfolk State. You are playing the homecoming game against Howard. You said you relish playing in homecoming games. Why so? Absolutely, absolutely. Make your question. What pretty girl doesn't want to get asked to homecoming? <laughs> okay, so we're fine with it. We got no problem. You know, we feel honored that they've asked us to be there. Uh, we want to be a part of that that game day experience. And for our guys, it's something that, you know, we haven't seen. And, and we get a chance to experience it. I mean, how we're homecoming. I grew up in the D.C. area, so I know what that looks like. A lot of our players have never seen it. So they get a chance to actually be a part of it. And I've been sharing with them that they're probably going to see a ton of celebrities uh, on the sidelines before the games, possibly during the games in the stands and them spotlighting that. But, you know, all we want to do is play football. You know, we got to play four quarters of football. And, you know, all we care about is put the ball down. All that other stuff, that's for them. That's not for us. You know, we'll have our day one day. Uh, the next couple of weeks we'll have our day at, at Delaware State. But that, that homecoming atmosphere, and it's electric, it's something special. That's at Howard University. They make rap songs about it. And, and celebrities talk about it, and they come back for it, and, hey, that's that's good. That's good for their alma mater. But they chose us. We're the, we're the chosen one that they chose that they want to play on their homecoming, okay? And we're excited. Thank you for choosing us, and I guarantee we'll, we'll come ready to play. Yeah, what do you have? No doubt. No doubt about that. Great answer. Uh, what do you have in C.J. Henry, uh, the quarterback, uh, one of your quarterbacks, he's 14-19, 194 yards, three touchdowns, against uh, Norfolk State, uh, you know, because Jarrett Lewis was kind of the guy coming into the season. Yeah, well, you know, uh, we, we don't have any backups, and that's something that I preach since day one. And I got that uh, from the 49ers when I was out there. If you're not if you're not on a part of the 11 that's on the field, then you're a starter waiting to play. So you have to prepare as a starter, and that's what we do. We prepare our guys that if somebody goes down, gets injured, gets nicked, the next guy's got to go up, and the machine still has to run. And that's a demand that we put on our guys in practice, that there is no no backups. You're not going to wait for your turn. Your turn is now. As soon as I call you, that's your turn. That's when your turn starts. So you have to be prepared. You're never going to be ready. And I tell people that all the time. You're never going to be ready, but you can be prepared for what's next by, by your preparation, your dedication, and your commitment. Yeah, and so he's played. I mean, he's, he's gotten the job uh, done for you. Uh, this season, and uh, I mean those numbers. I mean, what six touchdowns to one interception? Yes, and he's thrown three touchdowns in each game that he's played so far. So he's doing a, he's doing a good job. Uh, uh, he he's a he's a student of the game. He's a playmaker. He's a little short in stature, but I mean he plays like he's six foot five. So you know we 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 care about playmakers. Your size really doesn't make a difference. If you can make the play, you can play at Dell State. Of course, Rod Milstead, the head football coach at Delaware State, joins us here on the program. You were a great offensive lineman at Delaware State. Uh, is the is this offensive line now sort of in your image? 
Absolutely. Uh, I'll be honest with you. They, they are. They are a very tough group when, when everyone's healthy, which they were last week, and they're healthy this week. So when everyone's healthy, uh, they, they're a hard, tough group. I mean, we're averaging close to 300 pounds, if not 300 pounds across the front, you know, 6'3 and above. Uh, uh, these guys are, are a pretty special group. Uh, freshmen, redshirt freshmen that have been in our program a year, uh, well, during COVID years when they came, and they got a chance to, to really – uh, um, just learn and, and how to be a pro and, I mean, how to be a, a college football player. And, and now um, got a chance to watch last year. Some of them traveled but didn't get as much playing time as they wanted. And now they're redshirt freshmen and actually going into their third year, and they, they, get, they know what it's about now. The, the, the light switch is on, and, and they're playing very, very well. Dylan Marshall is our six-year senior. Uh, he, he, it all starts with him. You know, up front, getting the ball back to the quarterback. He's the leader of the of the offensive line. He puts demands on the younger ones. Uh, Sam Pearson will be the next one in line. He's a senior as well. Those two have gotten the most starts uh, out of the line. And then you got Dorico Paulston that came from Wesley College. Okay, okay, Division three guy. Okay, but he's 6'4", you know, 300 pounds, you know. And, and the reason why he went to Wesley is that he didn't do very good in high school academically. Hey, when he came to Delaware State, the light switch went off. Okay, it went off. And when it went off, he realized, hey, i got to get my grades in order to play. And that's what he did. So last year we had him as a manager, and he never missed a practice. He never missed a meeting. He sat in there and watched everything, everything. And now when his time came, he knew everything. So when we started training camp, he was in number two position. He earned the starting role. So he'll be starting at left guard. Isaiah Cook starting at right guard. He's a redshirt freshman I talked about a couple minutes ago. And then Dia Dua starts at, at right tackle. He's, a, he's Isaiah's best friend. They do everything together. So – that right side is, is very, very special. And then the left side is, a, is from D.C. Sam Pearson and Dorico Paul, they're both from D.C. So they're excited about going back. And then Dylan Marshall from the DMV as well. So it's like a homecoming for the offensive line. They want to put on a show after last week. No doubt about it. Rod Milstead, the head football coach at Delaware State, joins us here on the program. What concerns do you have about the Bison? Well, everything. Everything. Uh, uh, coach Scott, I mean, their, their team is a representation of him. Uh, their quarterback, uh, Clinton Wilson Williams, is 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 back. I, I heard, and 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 he's different than the freshman. Uh, the, the freshman uh, is is very dynamic with his feet. Uh, they got big tight ends. They got a very decent, nice size offensive line as well, and they got running backs that can they can take it the distance. You know, defensively, it all starts with their defensive line. Okay, and that's what I told our offensive line. You know, we have a challenge this week. Okay, we need to control the line of scrimmage. Okay, our quarterback is still a freshman. Understand, he's a redshirt freshman. Okay, if we give him time, he can hurt people. Okay, but if we don't give him time and he has to worry about getting hit, okay, he's going to make freshman mistakes. Okay, and that's something we can't have. So, you know, our offensive line is built like their head coach. We're going to run the football. Okay, we're going to dare them to stop the football and, and we'll take the shots when, when they give them to us. And, and you know, our playmakers will make plays. Uh, but, uh, you know, Howard Howard is, is different than their record. And, and I tell people that. They're different. That first half last week of their football game, they were in the, we were in the ball game. Now, the second half was when things kind of got out, out of hand. But, you know, it was a very close ball game in the first half. And uh, uh, they played everybody that way pretty much. So, you know, and it's homecoming. You know, it's, it's homecoming. Those, a lot of those guys haven't really seen it. And they're going to see it now because COVID's out of the way. You know, or COVID's behind us now. So, 
I mean, it, it's going to be a different world. They're going to come out 1,000% ready to play, and we have to match that intens- intens- I mean, intensity once we get off the bus. And then last thought, you mentioned the 49ers a little bit earlier. Uh, you played in the National Football League. What do you remember most about those days and winning that Super Bowl? Um, that if you – the one thing that, that really sticks out is when I first got there uh, is that uh, the, the whole mindset of the 49ers is, is – is, is, if you don't win a Super Bowl, your season's a bust. When I came from Cleveland, I was just happy to win a football game. They're talking about if you don't win the Super Bowl, it's a bust. And I'm like, man, y'all crazy. You know, you know how hard it is to win a Super Bowl, but that's the expectation. That is the expectation. There is nothing. There's only one champion. They want to be it. And my first year out there, I was very fortunate to be a part of it, but it changed my mindset. It changed my mindset. I remember coming back from Miami and the next day going into the facility trying to work out. And everyone's looking at me like I'm crazy. But I had been so conditioned that, okay, so you won it. Now you want to win it again. Because you got to start now. And that was the mindset, is that, you know, the good teams win all the time. And they prepare all the time. And that's the, the mindset I'm trying to get our guys in, is that good teams, winning is what you do. Okay? Winning is what you do. That's what you do, regardless of how you get it done. But the preparation and trusting the process. The process is practice. Process is, is the commitment. Process is the dedication. And that's where I learned that from was in San Francisco, okay, that, you know, you're going to be good because that's the expectation, okay? Not making the playoffs is not acceptable. It's not acceptable. You're going to make the playoffs. Every, I mean, I remember got, talking to guys in the locker room. They were already talking about how much money they were going to make off their playoff checks. And I'm looking at them like, dude, I've been in Cleveland two years, and I don't know what a playoff check looks like, Okay. <laughs> We under Belichick, we didn't win a lot. And so when I got to San Fran, I mean, these guys are counting that money as, okay, we're going to get this money, we're going to get this money, and then, you know, the NFC Championship will make this amount. And I'm looking at them sideways, and as it was happening, I started to understand what they're talking about. They spoke it into fruition that this is what's going to happen in existence, and this is what's going to happen. And we're going to do this and do that, and next thing you know, we're in Miami, and we're winning a Super Bowl against the San Diego Chargers. And from that point on, I had won a state championship in high school, but that Super Bowl was, I mean, just top that one. And uh, it, it, it was pretty amazing. And I want our guys here to feel what I felt at Delaware State. When I was here for four years, <clears throat> for five years, really, got redshirted, I won four MEAC championships. Okay, so I want them to feel what I felt. I want them to get a ring and have something to cherish the rest of their lives. So, you know, we're in perfect position right now. We're taking the one game at a time. We got Howard University. You know, our guys have gone overcome some adversity uh, this week. I'm not sure if you heard, but my offensive coordinator passed away on Monday. Mm. And it's been very, very difficult for our football team. Um, Brian Bassard uh, is a big part of, of what we do. But our guys uh, have been resilient. He took sick about 32 days ago on our on our football field and uh, had, hadn't returned. And we did return uh, about two weeks after he got sick. He told the kids that he had stayed for uh, uh, cancer and that he would no longer be able to coach. Mm. After speaking to the kids two weeks after that, he passed away. Mm. So it's been difficult um, uh, uh, for our whole entire program, coaches, staff, myself, the, the, the players, everybody at the university. Uh, but we know what Coach Passard wanted us to do. And uh, we're, we're, we're just fulfilling what the game plan was at the beginning of the year in, in August when he set the groundwork out for us and what we, we needed to do. And his last speech to us was, hey, time is precious. 
don't waste one second of this. Okay, how much time meant uh, because he knew that he had cancer and that uh, it, it was a terminal illness. Um, didn't know it would take him this fast, and and the kids didn't know it either. And uh, you know, we we we're 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 in mourning, uh, but we know that there's a sun there's a there's 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 a reason for all of this. We all believe in the man, the creator of all mankind. So we know there's a reason for it. And uh, we're playing for him every time we walk on that that field. When you see our red helmets, you're going to see a white sticker on the back uh, that says Coach Bo. And uh, it's for him. And it's not in black. Okay, I know he's passed. It's in white. And the reason why? Because he lives in our heart. Mm. The head football coach at Delaware State is Rod Milstead. He joins us here on the program. The Hornets going to be on the road on Saturday at Howard. Coach Milstead, we are praying for the entire program um, thank you for sharing uh, this information and continued success to you and the Hornets. Thank you so much. I appreciate uh, you taking time out and allowing me to be on your program. God bless you all and pray for pray for the Dell State Hornet football program. I've got to get ready to run before I do. I'm looking forward. I hadn't been to Pittsburgh before, so I'm looking forward to going to Pittsburgh as A&T will be taking on Robert Morris. I'll be calling that game. And, of course, you can listen to that game on the Sirius XM app. Just type in North Carolina A&T. And, as a matter of fact, you can listen to other HBCU games on the Sirius XM app. Tennessee State, Jackson State, Norfolk State, so many others on the Sirius XM app as well as Sirius XM broadcasts HBCU football games on its network. Thank you to Benedict, head football coach, Chennis Berry, to Delaware State, head football coach, Rod Milstead, for joining us today here on the program. For more information on Box to Row, log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support Yo, Box Toro on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM is produced by DW Communications.